the life of David. Now, if you haven't read the Old Testament in a while, it's incredibly fascinating. Certain parts of it are more fascinating than others, I'll say that. <laughs> but the Samuels and the Chronicles and some of those historical books are really fascinating because in so many ways they're, they're, they're so different than where we're at. Did any of you bring a sword to church this morning? Spiritually speaking, yes. Physically, no. Uh, did we ride horses? Do we, are we wearing sandals? Are we doing, you know, do we have kings and castles? No, everything is different, really, in our physical sense. But how many of you know that even in the unfamiliar, there's familiar? I mean, have you ever been reading in the Old Testament a story or even in the Bible, and you're reading a story, and it, it just resonates with exactly where you're at? Have you ever had this experience, right? So we find Tremendous. Now, we're New Covenant people, don't get me wrong. We live in the New Covenant. We're not, bound, uh, we're not bound by the Ten Commandments and all of the stuff in the Old Testament. But I do think it's a good foundation for us to build off. And how many of you know that if, the, if God gave us the Bible, he did it for a reason? And there's some treasures and some gems he wants us to learn. And one of the things I found a couple of weeks ago, actually it goes back to a Wednesday night prayer we had and we were, we were highlighting, God was highlighting the word breakthrough. This is probably a month and a half ago now. He was highlighting the word breakthrough. And, and just the, the word in Scripture began to come up over and over and over. And, and uh, I, I remember hearing somewhere um, that one of the names of God was God of breakthrough. So I began to look through Scripture. Where is that? I'm, you know, I'm not really familiar with that story too much. And I found it here in Second Samuel chapter 5. Now, just to kind of give you some groundwork, uh, King David, many of you know King David, he wrote the Psalms, many of the Psalms, and he's, he's in a lot of this uh, Samuel, First uh, and Second Samuel and Chronicles. Uh, he's, he's in there a lot. He's a big figure. The Bible speaks very highly of, of David and then King David. Uh, he wasn't a perfect man. He made some huge mistakes and all that. And yet God refers to him, to, to David, as a man after God's own heart. Highly treasured. In fact, in the New Testament, it speaks well of David and it quotes a lot of David in the Old Testament. So we find this tremendous historical figure, one of the greatest kings in all of ancient history. And, and yet, David's ascent to the throne has been one of a lot of problems. God promised David that he would be king, and yet for many years, there was another king on the throne, Saul, who actively tried to kill him. And so he, would, he had a band of people around him. He gathered more and more soldiers to his cause. He was called by God, and yet it was delayed and delayed and delayed. And finally, in an epic battle, King Saul is killed. And his son Jonathan is killed. And so the line of Saul is extinguished, and King David now, in its infancy, comes to the throne. Now, when a king first becomes king, and especially if it's in a divided kingdom, how many of you know it's a little tenuous, right? And so David has just become king, and he's starting to gather his forces, and he's starting to gather the, the, the kingdom back together. And, and, of course, if there's another king and, uh, that had died before him, there's going to be people that wanted him and his line to continue and all this. And so it's a real tenuous kind of thing. But David knows he's been called by God, and he has mighty men behind him, and he's just now come to the place of uniting the kingdom. Have you ever heard of the city 
Jerusalem. Most of you have. It's still there today in Israel. Jerusalem actually is called the city of David. But before it was known as the city of David, it actually wasn't his. It was somebody else's. And if you go back here in 2 Samuel 5, if you go back just a few paragraphs, David has to conquer Jerusalem to make it his capital city. And so again, you can imagine, you know, it's kind of new and there's, you know, people maybe don't really want him to be king and all this kind of stuff. So he's got a new capital, Jerusalem, he's just conquered. He's got a new kingdom that he's just brought together and it's just in its infancy stage of what God has planned, right? So in verse 17 of chapter 5, first, uh, Second Samuel, now the Philistines are the ancient enemy of Israel. Uh, they're only around because the Israelites were told to kill them all at the beginning and they didn't. And, and I will tell you this, it's true. If God tells us to get rid of something and we don't, it will rise up with great power and harass us all of our days. Anybody say amen? <laughs> Just a little side sermon right there. But the Philistines have been allowed to fester and grow and they have become this major, major uh, nation and very powerful in, in every way. And, and if you read through scriptures, you'll find the Philistines coming up again and again. And they're always against Israel. So in verse 17, this mighty nation of Philistine, it says, Now when the Philistines heard that they had anointed David king over Israel, all the Philistines went up to search for David. I'll just pause right there for a second. One of the jewels we can get from scripture that is eternal is this. Whenever God calls you to something or raises you up, the enemy will come crashing in on you with all its might because he knows if he can kill something in you in its infancy, he can kill it for its duration. We find this true several times with, with the Egyptians uh, during Moses' days. You know, the Pharaoh wanted to kill all the baby boys. Why? Because he didn't want those baby boys to grow up to be men and overthrow his kingdom. So he figured, if I can kill it in its infancy, if I can kill these people in its infancy, then I will maintain control and evil power over them. We find it with Jesus. When Jesus was born, it says that, that King Herod, what did he do? He killed all the baby boys right around Jesus' age. Why? Because he figured, if I can kill him as an infant, he'll never grow up to be a man. Right? We find with Moses, though, God allowed that infant to be raised up, and he used Moses to great effect. And of course, Jesus, he was allowed to live, and he grew up. And, you know, read the New Testament. It's a great story. And so we find the enemy doing the same thing here. He sees, and I'll just tell you this too. God is omnipresent. means he's everywhere at all time. He's all-knowing. He's omniscient. And he's omnipotent, meaning all-powerful. I want to just remind us this morning that the devil is not any of those things. There's no omni in front of the devil. He's not all-powerful. He's not all-knowing, right? And he's, he can only be one place at one time. He's a finite being, right? I think sometimes we give the devil a little too much credit, don't you think? And I think sometimes we underestimate how powerful God is and we overestimate how powerful the devil is. I want to encourage you this morning to flip that. The, the enemy is not all-knowing. But I will say this, that the enemy can sense things in the spirit realm 
that may seem like he knows, like he can see the future. In other words, if, you, if somebody has a, a sense of God on them and a sense of purpose and there's like a, a mojo on them, right? There's something that's happening. And I believe the enemy can tell when something is about to happen because God begins to move and things begin to happen. And he is a spiritual being. So I think he can pick up in the spirit realm. And I think in our story here, <coughs> the Philistines always represent the devil and his enemies of God's people, Israel, right? So the Philistines represent that. And what does that enemy do? He stirs up the Philistines and says, whoa, there's something on this guy, David. There's something special about him. God's had his hand on him and all this kind of thing. And he's been risen to power. But his kingdom is in its infancy. It's in its beginning stages. He hasn't quite gotten to be this powerful king. If you read on in the story, you'll find that David and the kingdom of David just expands Israel beyond anything it had ever been. It's the largest kingdom it was ever, was at its high zenith, its highlight, was under King David. And, and uh, the enemy knows that. And I want to just challenge you today. The enemy knows who you are. He knows right where you're at. And as God is beginning to do some things and planting some seeds in your heart, as God is beginning to stir you in certain ways, there's like a spiritual mojo that happens on you. And the enemy will try to kill it and destroy it at the very beginning, before anything even begins to take off. So the Philistines are searching for David. They want to they get him. The devil, the devil wants to crush him before anything gets started. And then it says this, And when David heard of it, he went down to the stronghold. Isn't that interesting? We don't know an awful lot about this, but a stronghold is a safe place. It's a place where power comes from, stronghold, right? And, and most historians agree this is a place where David would go. If you read through the Psalms, you find David interacting with God in a very intimate and personal way, don't we? You read through some of the Psalms. And you find that David had a, a quiet place. He had a place of refuge and strength. And he often talks in the Psalms about that God is my refuge. He's my strong tower, right? And I believe with all of my heart that David caught wind that the Philistines were getting all, all busy. They were ready to get up and come after him. And what does he do? He hears about it, and he, does he begin to bring his army together, his, sold, you know, his generals, and does he start to do it? No, the very first thing he does is he runs to his stronghold. He runs to that place of refuge, that place where he can connect with God. And, I, and again, sometimes when things begin to happen in our lives, we're tempted to run into the fray, to run into the battle and begin to, you know, try to fix problems and do all this stuff. Can I challenge us this morning with this thing? Instead of running into the fray, run into his arms. Instead of being all busy and trying to solve your own problems, if God knew you before the creation of the dawn of time, how many of you know he knows exactly what you came up against this day or tomorrow or the next day? And instead of trying to fix your own problems, let's take this example of David and run to the stronghold. Run to the safe place. Run to the place of refuge and the place of connection. <laughs> it's so funny how God puts stuff together. That song we just sang, This Is How I Fight My Battles. Actually, that was, we were supposed to do that song last Sunday. And through a series of different things, it ended up on this Sunday. But isn't that interesting? 
Because that's, we just saying exactly what I'm talking about. Like, this is how I fight my battles. I don't run into the battle. I actually come back here and go, Lord, I need you. You are my refuge. You are my strength. You are my tower. I thank you for what you've done in the past. I thank you for the victories I've seen. God, I thank you in advance for what you're going to do. And Lord, would you give me your wisdom in how to handle this present situation? That's exactly what David does. He runs to his stronghold. And then in verse 18, it says this. Now the Philistines came and spread themselves out in the valley of Rephraim. I believe that's how you say it, Rephraim. And so there's this valley that's great for fighting. And if you look at Scripture, you'll find that the Philistines always found a place of, of, of power and strength where they would wipe out the, <laughs> the Israelites. So this is a valley that the Philistines were very familiar with. It was a place of victory and strength for them in the past. And we find that they come and the enemy, sometimes we think he's so creative with getting us or, you know, shooting stuff in our You know what? He just keeps pulling the same garbage on us over and over and over again. How many of you, as I mentioned at the beginning, had a thought in your mind of some mistake or something that you have done in your past? The enemy brought that to your mind this week. Raise your hand. Okay, stop. (laughs) Just stop. Because the enemy will continue to do in your life what he's successful at. Until we lift up our hand and say, get on out of here. Right? Until we begin to stand, okay, let's just take sin. If there's some sin in your life that you did or a bad choice you made. Okay, you did. Look around the room. (laughs) you won't find any person here that hasn't made a stupid mistake and hasn't made a choice or a decision that they, they regret. But here's the deal. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed a sin from me. When he sees us, he doesn't see mud. He sees crystal white snow. His shed blood took care of all my sin, for all time. We have got to start living in that, folks. The only reason to look to the past is for testimonies of God's victory. We actually talked about, what was that word you had, Vicki, this morning? What was? Say it again. God doesn't save our before picture. You don't understand what that means? That God isn't interested in any sin you've done in the past. I mentioned in prayer with the worship team beforehand this morning, I read, I forget what book it was, but it was a Max Lucado book. And he was, he was doing this little pity party thing where he was remembering some of the things the enemy had brought to his head and these sins he has done. And he was praying and he says, God, remember that one time I did that one thing? And he distinctly heard God say, No. But God, you remember when I did that? Nope. I don't remember that. <laughs> yeah, but God, it was really horrible. And remember, I, it affected this person and did this. Yep, you, you asked forgiveness of that, right? You allowed my blood to wash it. Don't cheapen my blood by making me forgive the same sin twice. God, do you remember? Nope, I don't remember. Because I do think that. I think we cheapen his blood 
by having to reuse it over and over and over on the same thing that he already won the victory for. Folks, I believe it's time that we step on and step up. The Bible says about our sins that he remembers our sin no more. God actually forgets. He's supernatural and he's all creative and everything. He can do that. And he chose to do that. And it's interesting because we tend to remember things he's forgotten. And he wants us to remember the things that he's already done. So in other words, has he, the only thing he wants us to remember is his goodness and his power and his grace and his mercy. So when you want to remember stuff, the sin's already gone. It's done. It's taken care of. It's over. But he does want us to remember the good that he's done. Remember the times that he's come through. Remember the victories. Ted, I'm going to have you share this one day, not today. But Ted was telling me this story about this difficult time in their life and, and this horrible thing was happening to them. And, and it would have been easy to, to live in this, you know, really stressful place. But it worked out awesome. And Ted said this. He said, by the time we got to this, the, to the victory, it was apparent that God had already laid out all the steps and all the people and all the path way ahead of me. Can I tell you today? Here's David. He's in this horrible place, and he doesn't have his army all together, and he's fought some battles and been victorious, but, man, the whole Philistine gang is coming in on him. He could have been stressful. He could have, but he, he went to the stronghold, and he said, Look, Lord, I remember this victory. I remember what you did here, and I remember slaying Goliath, and I remember slaying the ten thousands and all the things that we've done before. And God, you're going to do it again. Can we just say that out loud together today? Say, God, you're going to do it again. God, you're going to do it again. You're going to do it again. So the Philistines are there. They're in the valley. Verse 19 says, so David, then David inquired of the Lord. Inquired is another way of, of praying. You, just, you pray, you ask God, Lord, Shall I go up against the Philistines? <laughs> That's an interesting question, isn't it? If a huge enemy is arrayed against you, David even asks first, should I even go up there? Should, um, should I even go fight? Or do you have some other plan for me? Because oftentimes when he was confronted with King Saul, the previous king, who was hunting him down, David would run. He would go to other places and he would avoid, avoid coming into battle with King Saul. So he says, Lord, do you even want me to you even want me in this fight? And some of you right now today are have situations and things going on in your life. And God, you need to ask God, do you even want me in this fight? Do you even want me involved in this, or do you want me to run? Do you want me to go somewhere else and do something different? How many of you know that when we ask God things, we have to put it all on the table? Amen. Every part of it. He says, So shall I go up against the Philistines? And then he says, will you give them into my hand? And the Lord said to David, go up, for I will certainly give the Philistines into your hand. You know, it's interesting as you read that, just again, if you go back a few chapters and even in the first Samuel, you'll find that David, when, when it says to go up against an enemy, he's a fighter. And he's gone up in many battles before. And what it means to go up like that is I'm going to take my fist and smash it in your face. <laughs> like I'm going to take my army and we're going to head right at you and we're going to clash, right? 
And there's no, you know, cutesy way of doing it. This is it. I'm going to go up against my enemy. It means I'm going to bring all of my force and all of my might, and I'm going to bring it straight in on the Philistines. And God says what? Go up. Bring it. Let's do this. Head on. We're going to smash this thing right in the face. And he says, and I will certainly give the Philistines into your hand. Then it goes on, verse 20, and it says, So David came to Baal-perazim. That's not Baal, like the idol worship. This is a different word. It's, 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 a, it's a word that has been stolen by the enemy again. Baal-perazim. And it says, and he defeated them there. So David comes up against the Philistines in this Baal-perazim place and crushes the enemy and defeated them there. And then as he's in this experience, he says, the Lord has broken through my enemies before me like the breakthrough of waters. Therefore, he named that place Baal-perazim. And that's where, and that actually, that word Baal-perazim, it, it can mean master of breakthrough or, in our case, God of breakthrough. I'm going to tell you something this morning. There are times in our lives where God is going to take us and use us to smash the enemy right in the face, and it's going to be a huge breakthrough. He's the God, and if you will, master of breakthrough. It's, it's who he is. It was, uh, again, we were having these conversations, and, and uh, Ted said that, that he remembered a, a sermon by Danny Silk, and I've actually heard him say this before, too. Danny Silk brought up this idea Go back and look in your past history. Think back to all of your past and try to remember a time where God didn't come through. And most of us can't. Like, God always comes through in one way or another. Like, it may not even be in the timing we think or how, but how many of you know God always comes through? I was thinking about the church and, you know, we've had this financial stuff going on and, and uh, this great need that we have. But how many of you know that we haven't been here? This isn't new territory, right? We've actually had financial stuff many, many years going back. I remember when I first uh, became pastor here, and, and we were actually in the other building. And uh, we had a, I don't know if you guys even remember, we had a mortgage, just mortgage, not anything else, not lights and keeping the building running or staff or any of that stuff. We had a mortgage of $16,000 with, you know, a few more people than we have now, but I think it was around 100, maybe a little less than 100. 16000 How many of you know that's a lot of money? And yet God just would always provide. And I remember in those days, I would, uh, <laughs> I, I like to prayer walk because you had that, all that land, if you remember. I would prayer walk all around it and I'd bring my dog Boomer with me and we'd just do laps all the time. I remember being so anxious and, oh, God, you got to come through. Oh, no, it's 16000 blah, 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 plus all the other money. And it, I look back on it now and I go, what a waste of time to be anxious and worried about something that God always came through for. Right? Folks, quit remembering the sin and start remembering the things God has done. Right? Remember, I think that's why Thanksgiving is so important to us. To thank God. Say, God, I thank you for how you came through in the past. I thank you for that miracle. I thank you for, for that breakthrough we had before. And even in the place now, maybe you're not experiencing breakthrough. Maybe you're not experiencing the thing that you want. Just relax. God knows what he's doing. 
And what he doesn't want from you is anxiety. What he doesn't want from you is impatience. Because, you know, those correlate into words that we don't want to really be a part of. See, when I worry about a situation, I'm actually saying to God, I don't trust you. Right? If I get anxious about something and I get all worked up, I'm actually telling God, I don't think you love me enough and I don't think you're strong enough to actually take care of me. I have to take care of myself. You know, we live in a manly world. Us men, you know, like we got we to gotta solve all the problems. I'm telling you, you cannot solve all your problems. And I think sometimes God allows us to come up against situations where he knows we can't solve it. So why? So that we can actually turn to him. Go to the refuge. Go to the stronghold. Go to the place of strength of God. Get in touch with God and allow him to tell you how he wants to do things. Because here's a really amazing thing, right? So Baal Perazim, God of breakthrough. David has been told to take his fist and punch it in the face of the Philistines. And it doesn't tell us numbers, but it, at the beginning it says all the Philistines came. So I mean, you get the idea. There was a lot of them. And so they have this great victory. But how many of you know that even when we see breakthrough, the enemy doesn't stop? Have you ever found this to be true? Like the enemy of your soul doesn't let you stay in your victory and celebrate with you. He's always looking for another way to come back and attack you. Get used to it, folks. Greater is he that is in me than he that in the world. Only a third of the angels fell with Lucifer. Two-thirds are on our side. Like, like we have the God of conquered hell, death, and the grave. He rose from the grave. You know, he's forgiven all our sins. We have all the power. We have all the victory. We have all the assurance that God is who he says he is and will continue to act on our behalf. But the enemy will not stop. He is trying to get you to distrust God. He's trying to take you to hell. He is not happy about seven weeks of exploring God, I'll just tell you. <laughs> because his job is to take you to hell. So, David, great victory. <laughs> Destroys him. Got a breakthrough. It's awesome. Verse 22, though. Just like the enemy. It says, then... Now the Philistines came up once again. <laughs> like, he defeated them, soundly defeated them, and it doesn't tell us how long, but we get the idea, it's the next paragraph, so it probably wasn't that length of time. And again, the enemy comes back. And they came up once again and spread themselves out in the Valley of Rephaim. <laughs> ah, the devil will continue to do the same thing. He's really not that smart. He always attacks, and, he, and you can... You can get a sense that he will always attack your identity, okay? He will always attack, you have sinned and done this horrible thing, and therefore you're a second-class son or daughter, okay? He will always do that. He will always attack us in anxiety and fear and these kind of areas. I know, it gets kind of old after a while. But actually it gets exciting because we get to go, hey, God, how are you going to come through this time? So, same enemy, same va valley, same desire for them to destroy David in the infancy of his kingdom, right? Same valley, same enemy, same desire on their part. And they spread themselves out in the valley of Rephaim. So, David's a smart guy. He knows that when he went and inquired of the Lord last time, 
God gave him a plan, said, go punch him in the face. We're going we're gonna to go up against him, right? It says, when David inquired of the Lord, again, you get the idea, he's inquiring of the Lord in that same refuge, in that same stronghold, right? It says, when David inquired of the Lord, he said, God said, you shall not go directly up. So God says the exact opposite of what you did last time to defeat the enemy, I'm gonna, you're, you're going to do the opposite. Last time you went up, this time you're not going to go up. He says, instead, circle around behind them and come at them in front of the balsam trees. It shall be when you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the balsam trees. In other words, there's a sound that it would be made in the, in the trees. Then you shall act promptly, for then the Lord will have gone out before you to strike the army of the Philistines. See, sometimes we have to remember that God is so cool. <laughs> like, he is so, he's so creative and he's so wanting to build our trust in him. You see, if, if God would have said, David, go punch him in the face again, you know, David probably, yeah, punch him in the face. Like, look how powerful I am. Boom, you know. But God's like, look, I don't want you to rely on you. I want you to rely on me. And he's so creative. And sometimes I think we get locked into doing things the same way. Like, oh, if God did it that way before, then that's how he wants me to do it this time. I want to challenge you with this this morning. If you're in a situation and it looks the same as another pickle you were in, inquire of the Lord. You know, sometimes God has told me uh, when certain situations that I was to fast. So in this season of fasting. You know, there are times where he said, I want you to fast and deny yourself. And then those other times when God says, well, I don't want you to fast because then it seems like you're doing all the work. <laughs> I want you to actually feast. I want you to eat normal, go have some, you know, goodies or whatever. I'm still going to come through for you, <laughs> right? So God says, listen, last time you punched him in the face, this time I want you to not punch him in the face, but I actually want you to circle around the back and wait in those trees. And when you hear the sign from me, when you see this, when you hear the, the marching in the trees, he says, I want you to go out and strike the army of the Philistines. It says, then David did so, just as the Lord had commanded him. And struck down the Philistines from Geba as far as Gezer, which was a a lot of Philistines in a lot of area. As we close this morning, I want to challenge us with this thought. No matter what situation you're in, inquire of the Lord. Go to a stronghold. Go to a refuge. Go to that place where only you and God. I don't think there's anything wrong with human counsel and talking, those kind of things. But how many of you know the counsel of man will never replace the counsel of God and the word of God? And I believe this morning that God has a word for you. I believe there's a specific word that he has for you. Some of you in your, in your situation where you are now, I believe even now, I, I believe you're beginning to hear the voice of God. In fact, let's just close our eyes for a second as we close today. Hallelujah. Lord, we ask you right now that Holy Spirit, that you would begin to speak to us. Even in this place right now, we begin to inquire of you. We quiet our spirit, O oh God. The first thing we do is we banish and reject fear and anxiety. 
And we reaffirm, God, our trust and our confidence in you. I want to do that. Just take a couple seconds and do that. Just say, Lord, I, I'm, I'm all in on you. I trust you, God. I trust you, Lord. I trust you. Even when I don't see it, I trust you. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. I think the Lord is pleased when we make declarations like that. And I know <laughs> in the New Testament, Jesus had a, had a disciple that struggled with that. And he says something to this. He says, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. <laughs> All right? I, that's just normal. So just put your hand on your heart. Say, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief today. Lord, help me to move away from the easy bits of questioning and fear and doubt and remembering all the things I've done wrong, like somehow that's not going to negate what you want to do in my life right now. I will tell you this morning, church, that God is bigger than any sin you've ever committed. He is bigger than all your mistakes. He's bigger than, than all of the choices and decisions that have been detrimental to you and to others. And he does not remember your sin. When you place it under the blood of Jesus, he does not remember and will not hold it against you in any way. And what he wants you to do today is to remember that he is who he says he is. And he has great plans and purposes for you. So Lord, we just inquire of you right now and say, Lord, what is it that you would have me to do? How do you want to do it? Do you want me to go head first into the, into the throng, into the battle, like the first time? Or, or do you want me to nestle back and circle around and come at it from another direction? Lord, I just speak wisdom over your people today. Your word says in James that if we lack wisdom, we should ask. Lord, in situations of our life that we don't understand, I speak wisdom over your people. I speak understanding, God. I speak insight, godly insight, not human insight, God. Revelation from the author and the king and the creator of the universe. That's what we're tapping into today. Lord, I thank you for that. That you are who you say you are and you know what you're doing. And we trust you. Let's just say that together. Lord, I trust you. I trust you. In Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. All right, it's a good word right there. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Sure. And the pain got so bad. Had anybody ever experienced a Charlie horse? The whole leg was like that, and included my feet. And I can't sleep on this side or anything. And I cried out yesterday, a couple of days ago. said, God, you've got to show me. I need help. What should I do? What should I do? I couldn't even touch my leg. I couldn't get out of the bed. And I couldn't put my foot on the floor. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, drink some water. And I had a bottle of water next to me, drank it, and immediately he got up. All right. Thank you, Lord. That's good. Yeah, you know, 
that is kind of a thing of God too. Well, I'll preach a whole other sermon here, but it, if it if it seems really weird or different, it's probably God, right? I mean, just think of all the miracles He did and how often He just did it totally different than how we think it should be. So I just want to use that as encouragement as you go from this place. God may tell you to do something weird or different. You know, if it's sin or something like that, that's the enemy, of course. But if it's just something odd or peculiar in some way, you know, like give your husband a back rub, you know, whatever, that kind of stuff is, that's God right there. That's the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Let's stand one more time. One more time, and then we're going to be done. Just uh, if you're next to somebody and you want to just put your hand on them, we're just going to take opportunity to bless right now. Hallelujah. And here's what I feel God saying right now. I feel like God is saying that, uh, he says this often, Jesus says this often. He says, him who has ears, let him hear. Right? And so I want you to just declare over that person next to you. Say, Lord, just give them, give them ears to hear. Just If you know their name, just speak it out. God, give them ears to hear and, and, and eyes to see. Him who has eyes, let him see, Lord. Father, we don't want to stumble through this earth. We don't want to live in the past. We don't want to live in all that garbage that we talked about. God, we want to have eyes to see the present and the future and what you have for us. And even this week, God, for those that are struggling with situations that are perplexing, nah, they're beyond perplexing. They're, they're impossible. They seem impossible. Lord, right now, I, I pray for eyes to see and ears to hear that we would know exactly the plans and purposes of God. Hallelujah. Just declare that over each other just for a second. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We just declare that, oh God. We, we bless each other right now. Hallelujah. That we are called to walk in that supernatural authority and with eyes and ears attuned to the Master. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. Hey, uh, let's see. Uh, Kathy... And Paula, I think, are on today. If you guys want to come on up, these are some prayer ministers. If you want an individual prayer of any kind, or if you want, you feel like God wants a, you need a prophetic word of some kind, or just want to agree in prayer for something, these are some gals that will do that with you this morning. God bless you. Walking through the valley of shadows